0: What's up, everybody? We are back for another edition of Champagne Room Hoops Podcast. It's probably Beyond the Big Ten Podcast Network. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts, and also on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten. Also, make sure to follow along on all social media, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle Beyond Big Ten. I'm former Illini point guard, Sam Maniscalco, joined by Do It All Swingman, the original OG Mr. Three and D Billy Cole at Buck wild Bill thirty three. Thanks for tuning in once again, Billy. What's good? How was Christmas, brother?
1: Oh man, everything's good right now. Christmas was great, family time, work slowed down a little bit. Uh, just happy to you know sit back after a Missouri win, watch some Illini hoops, and now get to talk about it with you. So it's all been good. How about you?
0: Good man. Uh, Busy with work, as you know, um, running around like crazy, uh, you know, looking forward to this conference season for Illinois, I really, really get to hone in um, as we've both been through that before and, and talk some more line Illini hoops. Um, just want to mention um, our other uh, podcast partner, Brandon Paul, who has been on this year, wasn't able to make it today. So Merry Christmas, Brandon. Happy New Year. Um, we miss you and we will be sure uh, to have Brandon back on. Um, sometime over the next few episodes, we miss them. Um, so let's dive right in. Right. Um, last we talked, we were previewing the, um, the bragging rights game. We talked about what a great atmosphere that place is to, we, I think all three of us were on at the time. We mentioned that, you know, being one of the coolest atmospheres are one of our favorite games to play in every year, um, in St. Louis. Uh, and it wasn't much of a game.
1: <laughs> no, uh, total domination from the Illini to start i thought you know uh top 10 team basically 10 or 11th in the country depending on which poll you look at we came out we didn't play around usually that's a game where the the lesser team kind of finds their feet they get the crowd into it and it's a you know they make a tight game out of it we didn't let that happen we we looked uh, old like we are you know we've talked about that a lot i thought that was a really mature performance and a tough uh you know, rivalry game, bragging rights game, whatever you want to call it. And then I thought the, you know, the role players were excellent. You know, Quincy Guerrier, the five threes, I believe. Um, he's been bringing it the last couple of games. So that's great to see. Then just a, you know, defensive lockdown just seems like Missouri, I know they're a little down this year, but, you know, hanging our hat on the defense all year long. And then when it matters most in a rivalry game, uh, just bottom line, it's a, it's a big, big win to set us up for a tough, uh, January, which is all big 10 slate, 10 different big 10, ten teams coming uh, at us in the, in the month of January.
0: Yeah. And we, we scored 97 points. That's a lot of points. So offense is obviously free flowing, looked good. Um, so now we transition. So, you know, I, I want to just touch on in that Missouri game, you know, our best player all year has been Terrence Shannon, Jr. He scored 39 for 14 from the field, 30 and 11 had a double, double, like you said, Quincy Garrier, um, averaging 22 in his last three games. What a pickup he was! But uh, before we move on, as we talk about you know getting to the conference slate, there was obviously some breaking news um, over the last uh, 48 hours, which I'm sure most Illini fans know by now. But Taron Shannon Jr. has been suspended indefinitely by the university. Um, he's gotten in some legal trouble. Uh, we'll let due process play out. We won't speculate on that, but we can talk about what that does now because it changes things, right? So, so I think and I are what 11th in the country, the highest we've been all year, just rolling 10 and two, well, nine and two tonight will be, I mean, they're 26 and a half point favorites for Fairleigh Dickinson. Let's assume they win the night, uh, 10 and two great non-conference slate, right. Mm-hmm. Um, heading into, um, you know, the start of the big 10 season. So it's a little different. So 11th, I will say we're not the 11th ranked team in the country without, um, Taryn Shannon Jr. and her team. So what's our mindset now? How do we what do we do? What do we what was what's underwood's message? You know, what what do we how do we get past this?
1: Yeah, for sure. It was a uh, I mean there's like you said, we're not gonna speculate on any of the legal stuff. It's too way too early for any of that. But I think that you know the bottom line is this this type of it charge, it doesn't play itself out in a matter of a month or two months. This is gonna be unfortunately for everyone involved this is going to be a long time thing probably resolve itself in the summer or even later so as Illini fans it's a dark day you take you had probably what was the best team in, since the 2005 uh national championship runner-up squad maybe there's an argument for the io and kofi team It would have been a good game versus this team but for the most part Illini nation was totally dead set on a big-time finish to this season and a big-time finish in March. Um, so it's, it's sad, right, because my immediate thought process is a little bit of the head and heart analogy. My head goes to exactly what you just said. Uh, the outlook on the season, all the predictions we've made, when you, ha- when you have a guy that is 30% of your usage rate on offense um, in averaging what he averages and guarding the other team's best player, it's, um, we're not the same team. Unfortunately, um, it's going to be really tough to have the same type of finish that everyone was expecting and, and hoping for and praying for if you're a big-time Illini fan. But I think the other part of it is my the heart side of it, right? For everyone like me that grew up an Illini fan, had a bunch of hope this season, that hope's not gone. We still have a really talented roster. Um, me and you have gone back many times on this podcast and talked about what a good recruiter Brad is. Um. So he's got a really deep roster um, and it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if the fans can all get behind the team, those kids that, you know, those kids are going to have to suit up tonight against Farley Dickinson and Northwestern next week. They didn't, you know, they didn't do anything wrong with this situation. So it's got to be just as devastating as it is for all the fans. It's going to be 10 times devastating uh, for those players not, you know, to lose their their leader. Uh, So how do they respond, right? I mean, that's the question at hand that me and you have to answer. I think, honestly, it's going to be tough. It wouldn't shock me if they're a little out of sorts tonight. Um, But I think we've got some pieces that are going to be thrust into the forefront, right? You've got uh, Coleman Hawkins is now going to have to go from being Robin to being Batman in my perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dane, Dane Danger, who's kind of a funny talking point on this podcast because... He has spurts where he dominates, but he can't seem to find the floor ever. I think that's going to change. Maybe shift Coleman to the four for a majority of the game, and then you've got uh, Dre uh, Lawhorn, who you know hasn't really been able to see the f- the floor much just because he's a freshman and he's trying to get used to everything. And he had Terrence Shannon ahead of him at the off guard spot all year. Well, now all of a sudden, hey freshman, welcome welcome to the big time. You're going to have to you have to go score points and guard somebody tonight. So. I'm interested to see how it all plays out. It's a really unfortunate storyline, but, you know, that's why sports are great. I think we've, um, we've all seen the totally unexpected happen in sports before. And I'm kind of praying that it goes this direction again.
0: Yes. It's going to be, have to be done by committee, right? I mean, first of all, you're just, you're not going to replace his, his production, um, and his output. And like you said, his usage rate and everything and what he means to this team, um, you know, where they're currently at in this season. So it's going to be, have to, have to be done by committee. And you mentioned some good names there provides opportunity, right? One thing this does. Um, If you're looking at it from a pure basketball perspective and into Brad Underwood's mind and stuff, it's like, all right, here, next man up mentality, right? You hear that all the time in sports, whether, whatever level it is. Um, And it's interesting too, because when I, when I was at Bradley uh, my freshman year, we had an all American point guard, um, Daniel Ruffin, that went down with a sports hernia injury, just after the you know end of the non-conference slate. And I was a freshman, and I was playing you know twenty twenty-five minutes a game, getting some good experience. But overnight, I was thrust into the starting point guard role, and it was an opportunity for me. And I find it hard to believe that that whole process that I went through for those ten or fifteen games without Daniel and getting thrust into that didn't play a role in the reason that I became the player I, I became and how f- quickly I matured. And it was just invaluable experience. And I'm certainly not comparing this situation to that directly, but um, it is an opportunity for some other guys to um, get thrust and thrown into the fire in a sense. And sometimes that's the best way you learn, right? Um, again, nobody's going to go out there. I'm, I mean, it'd be great, but I'm not expecting anybody to go out there and put up 22 a game and, and carry, you know, Terrence Shannon Jr.'s load. But it's one of those situations too, like you mentioned, does a locker room get broken uh, because of this? You know, if they come out a little flat tonight, that could be expected. Or do they rally around this type of situation? And I think Brad Underwood is the kind of coach where he can get a team to rally around it. And by rally around it, I mean, they don't quit, right? Not expecting them to, but their demeanor, their body language, none of that changes. It's the next man up mentality. And they continue playing the style of basketball they've been playing. Now, from a X is a no standpoint, obviously, some things are going to have to change. You mentioned it. Coleman Hawkins is going to have to be Batman, right? And he's going to have to probably a little bit out of his comfort zone, so to speak, force the issue, right? And he's going to take some bad shots. He's going to do some things that you probably aren't used to seeing, but he's going to have to do that because they have to figure out a way to, you know, get this production from other guys. And here's the biggest thing. Forget the points. I thought Terrence Shannon this year was having an excellent year defensively and as a leader. He was really kind of the engine defensively that got them going out there, defense creating offense. Um, So it's an opportunity on that end as well for guys to step up. So it's going to be interesting. We don't have a a magic ball here that can predict what happened, but I think tonight's a good start to see the route Brad Underwood would go. And then what better opportunity do you have than first game? Well, technically not the first game. Rutgers was – before the the end of the non-conference slate, but we got Northwestern in state rival coming into Champaign on Tuesday. Um, What better way to get your younger guys in a situation like this to rally around and get your feet wet than Northwestern coming in your home building? Yeah,
1: it's going to be an absolutely huge game. Uh, We've played some uh, great battles against Northwestern ever since Chris Collins has been there. It's been a, you know, almost a changed program uh, where, it's not so much you're looking at a team as, oh, let's go in here and get this win and get out of here. It's You're up for a dogfight every time. And I think, you know, honestly, if I look at the Terrence Fanon situation, where we're going to really miss him is the, the, the close Big Ten battles. And I think yeah. that may seem so obvious, but it's, closer. The, it's, the trans, it's the transition. It's not just the closer for me. It's the transition six to eight to ten points a game that he just steals. They're completely unguarded possessions, he just goes out and basically gets every start of the game that he starts, you could just basically go out and put six or eight or ten free points on the board. Um, and I think those are the type of games that takes um, a hard-fought win for Illinois and turns them into a toss-up. And then it's and then it becomes what you just said, right? Then it becomes who can close a game when it's a one-point, a two-point spread coming down with 30 seconds left. Is, is Coleman going to take that over? Are the shot selections going to look the same is it going to be natural um and, and i do i want to go back to something you've said because it, it really struck a chord with me i think the the mental makeup of this team is going to be, be defined sometime in the next two to three games meaning that they're going to have an opportunity where stuff looks really ugly at some point and how what's that first reaction like are they all coming together are they staying in their foxhole uh metaphorically speaking or all of a sudden does does the finger pointing come out and does the frustration from being thrust into a whole situation that none of these kids asked for that they're still playing um i think that if if there's one thing to watch it will be the first you know make or break moment um and we'll see it I, i don't think it'll necessarily be tonight in Farley dickinson i just think you know whether Terrence Shannon plays or doesn't play, we're going to roll that team over. Hopefully, uh, and hopefully that's not a viral soundbite after we lose. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I do think I do think these first couple Big Ten games. I mean, look at just pull up the calendar if you're an Illini fan and look at our January. Yeah,
0: the first four are insane. I mean, you can go all the way down the line, but Northwestern yeah. at Purdue, Michigan State at home. It's right off the bat,
1: it's crazy. I think we played ten different Big Ten teams in January. Uh, it, I mean it's absolutely nuts murderer's row that we have to go through and that's every year uh, but it's just going to have to be a really quick transition not to beat a dead horse but it's not a good time of the season to be figuring out brand new roles yep. uh, so it's all going to come down to like I just said and, and you touched on it earlier it's going to come down to toughness and mentality and then w- once they wrap their arms around the acceptance of the situation and staying together then then their talent can start to weave itself in there and maybe steal, steal a few games. But I mean, bottom line, I'm thinking the um, I'm thinking, I think it's going to be really hard to compete with Purdue for the big 10 title where I was first couple episodes. I was really, you know, I was like, Hey, I think we're probably finished second, but I think we give them a good run. I think right now, you know, just getting into the tournament with a good seed at this point. So we're talking third, fourth or fifth in the big 10. I think that that really would be a, a, Good spot to be in
0: come March. Yeah, it's amazing how fast expectations change, and and so much he means to the team. And like you said, um, it's probably as a group for this Illini team, it's hands down the biggest you know piece of adversity they're going to face. Like you mentioned, so it's a make or break moment for sure. Do you think Brad? Do you think he? Do you think they changed their style? Sort of sense. Like, do you think he's? I mean, I've been on teams before in situations where, you know, a couple of our best players may have been out for injury or something, and we changed, like, you know, a coach would run more sets to try to control the game from that coaching perspective, every single possession and make it more of a possession game. Do you think he does something like that based on, you know, losing Tanner, Taron Shannon Jr., or do you think he just says, hey, next man up, go out and play, we're going to continue to play the way? That we always play or or is it is it a game to game basis? What do you think about that?
1: I absolutely think he will try and micromanage the sets more. And it will probably he'll probably do it in a way that's a little more subliminal to the players. Meaning what used to be, hey, a loose set, I would call it, where you have dribble handoffs into some motion into a matchup that you like, it will probably be more set play calls. And part of why I think he'll do that is to protect the transition that I just talked about for, for roles. Right. So, you know, to the layman who's not super familiar with, you know, everything we just said during this transition period, the coach can protect the player a little bit because a new player, take uh, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, who we talked about earlier, who's going to have to take in a scoring role on his head will be spinning a million miles an hour when they get on the offensive end. And it's a lot of useless thoughts like, okay, am I in my space correctly? Am I in the right spot? Is this a good shot to shoot? Um, when your coach can take that off of you and just call a set every time down. So you, you immediately know, here's where I'm supposed to be. Here's the order of operations on the play. And here's what a good shot within this set looks like. I think, I think Brad will probably have to micromanage them out of this on offense a little bit. And hopefully the transition, uh, the defense can lead to some transition opportunities to, because that also alleviates your offensive workflow as well.
0: Totally, Those are excellent points there. And I agree. I mean, I don't know if he's going to walk the ball up necessarily and completely. I mean, he's going to want to, like you said, micromanage is a great word to use in this situation. He's going to want to micromanage the tempo as best as he can. But you and I both know that the only way you can really do that is having a heady point guard that has been there before very, very, very experienced guard that is able to do that, um, which would be, you know, Taryn Shannon Jr. So um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't think much changes for him defensively, but I, I do think that one other thing to, to, to point out, we mentioned Coleman Hawkins, as far as he's really got to step up with his production and be, you know, quote unquote, a Batman, like you said, he's an emotional player. He's shown that the last few years in a good way. I think when he channels that emotion, you know, to his advantage, it, it could be really useful. I do think that sometimes he, you know, gets so emotional that it affects his play and it affects the team. Um, how emotional is he going to be over this? You know, how is mo- emotional? Because I feel like a, a guy like that, um, that's at the forefront of our team and our brand of basketball the last few years, is really going to set the tone for the rest of the guys. Right. I love Taryn yeah. Shannon's demeanor because he's not very emotional. He kind of just plays, he plays hard, and he leads by example. And the team, a lot of time, follows his lead with their body language and their demeanor throughout the course of a game. That's gone. Coleman's a little bit more of a wild card as far as that goes. You know, do you think the team – It's just it's, it's sensitive – Situation because I don't want them to follow necessarily his body language in a sense. You know what I'm saying? But I do. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah. I mean, totally. That's, that's going to be think, a big, big deal.
1: Absolutely. I I look at it like this. You know, whether it's right, wrong, yeah. or indifferent, the coach on the floor essentially just got fired. Yeah. And and you've got a new coach coming in, right? And and that coach most likely, you know, it's not always just because it's your best player. Like for instance. You know, I don't think our best player when I was there was always the most vocal. In fact, he w- he would probably admit he wasn't. Um, I think I know who, you're talking but I about. do. Th- <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think I think in this scenario it probably is because I, I feel like last year when Meyer and Shannon and Hawkins, I, I do feel like Hawkins kind of you know stuck his hand in there and said I'm I'm the leader. And then it, it you know sometimes it works out where you find out oh actually Terrence Shannon Jr. is the leader, right? Um and so, I, I don't know. I think that's, that's a good thing to watch. I don't know where I stand on that. I think, I think you're right. It maybe makes me a little more nervous than I'm willing to admit just because of the emotionalism that you talked about that he plays with. Sometimes I wish he would be more instinctual and not so um, not so much of a waiting for a shot to go in or a pass to open up a dunk or a block on defense to get his game going. Um, and I think that would be maybe the counterpoint to everything I said earlier of brad micromanaging the game is the the exact opposite of that is also possible where he looks at these guys in the huddle he pulls them in close before this game everything that they're going through all the emotions that they're feeling and he says forget everything play as hard as you've ever played be as athletic as you've ever been and and we're gonna try and win games like that and just take the mental uh the thought process out of the game and you might you might play faster you might see shots go in but, yeah, I think, you know, maybe maybe the last point with this transition I'm interested to hear your thought point process in is I think that the shot making has to be at an all-time high level now. You know, you've lost yeah. that margin of error. For sure. You've got uh, Luke Goody's going to have to go from the 2-3 to three a game to the 4-5 to five a game. Yep. Quincy Guerrier, he's been so hot lately. That can't be an aberration that comes back down to earth. Um, and we're going to have to find, you know, Coleman Hawkins. His his normal one or two of games needs needs to go up as well. But I think anytime you lose that athletic guard, uh, the
0: thing that can kind of keep you whole on offense is to see shots go through the net. Oh, yeah, and you know, to that point, you just said he was so good at manufacturing points from the free throw line too, because of how physical he was. I mean, that was one of the best, best parts of his game. He was averaging here. Let's look, he's averaging almost eight free throws a game. That's really, really, really good. You know, he's manufacturing literally six points a game just from the free throw line. So there's going to be some voids to fill. Um, I like your comment about Luke Goody. I mean, he's shooting 44% from three shooting five a game. Like you said, that's going to have to go up. Like what you just said about Brad Underwood, having a conversation with the team about, you know, just be it, just play basketball. They're gonna to have to have a conversation with him and say, listen, no shots a bad shot. I want you to shoot 10, 12 threes a game. Don't worry if don't, I don't care if zero go in. You know what I mean? Right. So he's gonna to have to kind of get that mentality with these guys and, and try to make them free-flowing and not that whole like you said early on, where it's like, oh, am I gonna make a mistake here? Is this a good shot? Is this a bad shot? Take the thinking out. Um, you know, like you mentioned. It's just it's it's crazy because I feel like for the better part of the last I mean, we talked all season last year and then the early episodes we talked about this season were a lot of the talk was about role defining, right? And I feel like we were finally at a point where we're like, and we've talked about this off air too, like it's the first time we've seen roles really, really defined and they're gelling and they're playing well. And Brad Underwood finally has like, has a team built exactly how he wants it. There's a pecking order um, and everything. And then- this happens. So it's almost like you're starting from scratch in that regard. But I'm actually, to, to be take a glass half full approach, I, I'm, I'm interested and equally as excited to see what growth could possibly come from this, you know, as far as the other guys go. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of step Coleman Hawkins takes, right? We know he's averaging nine points a game. We know he's a kind of a point forward type and he does so much more than what the stat sheet says on a game-by-game basis. But I, I want to see him as a primary scoring option. You mentioned Dane Danger, who we were high on last year and really hasn't gotten the quote-unquote opportunities this year that he's had la- that he had last year. He's averaging 12 minutes a game coming in tonight. His minutes are going to go way up. His opportunities are going to go way up. Um, Luke Goody, who we just talked about. Ty Rogers, right? We, we've, Ty Rogers has really solidified a, a really nice role for himself as far as being that... You know, 3D, knockoff 3D guy because he doesn't really shoot threes, but our, our best defender, super athletic, gets to the glass, um, but doesn't really look at the basket, right? Besides stuff around the rim. So let's see what opportunities he gets now. Um, it just, it presents a lot of different, my head's spinning right now talking about it. So yeah. I can't imagine... Yeah you know, like we talked about earlier, what they are going through as a team, as a staff, et cetera. Um, but I do know when these situations, type of situations can arise in sports, um, it could be a rallying cry, right? The the positive about this is that, listen, you're on a team of of brothers that you have been in a locker room with, that you signed up to play for with. Sports is a distraction, right? It's a way for them to go out and get things off their mind. And, um, so it's just, it's in a nutshell, it's going to be interesting. Um, but back to our original point, we're not the 11th ranked team in the country right now, which is unfortunate.
1: No, I was just thinking about this analogy and I kind of like it, but, you know, with all of the college basketball talking heads and all of the who's who in college basketball, putting us as a final four team in the last, couple of weeks for this to happen it, it would be like painting a masterpiece on a blank canvas being halfway done with it knowing how good it was and then someone coming over kicking it out of the way giving you a new thing and taking away your best paintbrush yeah and we still have the ability to to you know paint a masterpiece right like you said it's all out in the open be- before this team to you know either come together and, and make a great finish to the season and a great story out of it or you know we can struggle without our best paintbrush so there's a lot of opportunity there's a ton of unknown it's it's honestly tough to even wrap our minds around the Mm -hmm. the news of the last 24 48 hours I know a lot of I've been scrolling through Twitter I think you know Illini Nation's just kind of dumbfounded everyone feels a little numb to 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 the news but you know hopefully the team like you said basketball will become a distraction away from the news cycle for a little bit. And hopefully they, uh, you know, they paint their own uh, ending to the season. And it's, it's a, it shocks the world a little bit because like you said, like I said, like you said, we're not the 11th best team in the country anymore, but you know, who knows we could be the 25th best team in the country that wins a couple games in the tournament. Right. I don't think that's, I don't think that's me just saying that because I run, you know, I run an Illinois basketball podcast. I think that's truthful. We have the talent on the team to do something like that. So let's see where it goes.
0: Do you think we win one of the next three? Hold on a second. I got to pull up that. It's got... So Northwest, I'm sorry. I'm taking, uh, let me rewind there. Take Fairleigh Dickinson tonight out. Let's talk about the first three in the big 10. So at Purdue, we're not winning that one. Without Terrence Shannon. Uh, I mean, anything could happen, right? But uh, Michigan stayed at home. But I, I think the best one, rivalry. I think one good thing about rivalry games is it takes all that stuff. I mean, it's pretty much a, a neutral playing field in a sense. I'm missing the words here. But a rivalry game, you could throw all stats, all that stuff out the door right who's not playing who's playing it, it, so to speak so i think our best one to get would be tuesday northwestern and home
1: yeah i agree i think uh 3 and 0 would absolutely blow my mind 2 and 1 would be amazing 1 and 2 is probably the most likely for me and then 0 and 3 is uh oh no this is this is the disaster we all prayed didn't uh didn't happen after this uh, news cycle happens so um, that would probably be my best guess I just think those teams are I mean Purdue might be the best team in the country especially in regular season play um, for the last couple of years mm-hmm. and I know we've got our thoughts on, on that Northwestern they're Illinois's little brother syndrome so like you said they're going to play as pos as hard as a team can physically play mm-hmm. against us um, so we- we'll be ready I think that's the thing though is The toughness mentality part has always been Brad's biggest strength as a coach. Um, We've never had to get on a a pod and question like they just looked flat all game or they didn't try. They they had hustle mistakes, you know, stuff that can't happen. We've never had to do that. Um, So I think with their talent, yeah, I think, you know, one or two games out of those three, I think it's okay. I think, you know, you've kind of. Stabilize the ship after the uh after the torpedo went off and you can start
0: to make plans for how you finish January strong? I don't know the exact rules anymore because college basketball is so crazy now with the transfer portal. But is that something that is it could somebody transfer now into the program? I don't think I mean, is so. that no.
1: No, I don't think so i think there's a uh, i think there's a certain date that you have to be on the roster by i want to say it's uh i want to say it's sometime in
0: November okay, so it's not like there's a people that have entered the transfer portal at the beginning of the year at another school and they're still sitting there and like you can go grab I'm like it's not like free agency
1: it's a gra- i'm honestly now that you say that like you said the rules have changed so much since I played uh, but I do think there's a i think there's like a drop dead date at some point in the fall.
0: That would be interesting because I could see that if, if it, if that's possible, I could see that happening too, where, you know, he throws in there like a free agency type thing and tries to pick somebody up to to pick amazing. up the slack. So, um, yeah, just wild stuff. So, um, we're going to regroup is what we'll do. Um, hopefully we'll brand that on next time too, because it's unfortunate he wasn't able to join this time because I would love to get his thoughts on, on all this stuff uh, going on and what, you know, online line have ahead of them. But so let's see three, three in a row. So Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan state. Um, I say we regroup and let these next three, four games play out. Um, I'm going to be interested in watching tonight. I wanted to see just their demeanor, right? I'm not expecting mm-hmm. um, to see anything specifically tonight, but just, you know, the demeanor of the team and how they come out, uh, versus fairly Dickinson, uh, hopefully, you know, they get that W sh- sh- they should. Um, and then these next three big 10 games, let's see what we're made of. Right. And, you know, Brad is like you said, is, is preaching that, um, toughness and that's kind of what he's been all about since he's been at Illinois. So, um, crazy stuff. I feel like it's just, you know, last year we had a couple episodes early in the season, um, you know, with the, the transfer news and, stuff like that with guys leaving the team. And then this off season, the boatload of guys um, that left and we were like, Holy smokes. Like, is this program ever really going to get, you know, it's feedback on the ground again from, you know, talking about the Kofi IO years. Um, and we were rolling this year. And then this happens. So um, he's certainly, Brad is certainly well-versed in um, and has experience in, in the adversities and the ups and downs of a season of a college basketball season. So, Let's see what kind of rabbit he can pull out of his hat this time. But um, we'll regroup in a few weeks. Hopefully, line I go 4-0. and We're back on here with uh, balloons and kazoos. And we're like, holy cow, this team's amazing. And there's a new star on the team. Um, and Coleman Hawkins becomes the top five pick in the NBA draft because of this next four-game slate. But I highly doubt that's going to happen. But still, um, exciting to watch. Um, I'm sure they're going to play hard. And uh, we'll regroup in a few weeks and see where we're at there. Sound good?
1: That sounds perfect. I agree with everything you said. If that happens, I'll uh, I'll kiss your ass.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right, and we'll end on that note. Thanks line fans for joining. We'll see you in a few weeks. Champagne Room Hoops podcast. See you guys.